0: Mm. Uh, uh. Oh, radio, radio. <laughs> hey, hey, mystery surrounds us.
1: Mystery all around us. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host Rebecca Mears with my co-host. Luca Hallux. And we join you this week pondering about what it does it mean to be aware or what do we do with the knowledge of when something needs to die. We, we talked about this sort of related a few weeks ago when we did an episode and in, in both Luca and I we were talking about what, what needs to burn down. So that was kind of like whether it is ready to die or not. We were declaring what needs to go away in the world whether it be the world at large or in our personal lives even uh there's a little different of a spin on it this week and this is more it's coming from an observationable pl- observationable observationable oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> this obs- is stumbling over it that's <laughs> what happens when something needs to die we start stumbling yeah from an observational place what is it that is we can see it's what are the signs and this is so this is what we're going to talk about today what are the signs how is it that we become aware it's like oh you know what this is on its way out Mm -hmm. it may be looking like it's ticking along at the same speed we may be expecting the same things from it but something has shifted whether it's just us personally or in our group of acquaintances or in our circle or a part of the world or our society as a whole we've got a growing awareness that this needs to die this is going to die so what does it look like in being how do we then just start to disengage how do we start to then shift what is our connection with that process look like we're going to poke around in there as we always do. It's poke around. So it came into my awareness.
2: Um, it's it has been coming into my awareness over and over. One of the things is that I know someone who puts together um, uh, aromatherapy combinations, and she's been putting some together for grieving because so many people have been coming to her. And saying that they're grieving, that they're grieving the end of relationships of, of um, uh, people they know or family members who've died or are in the process of dying, um, pets that they've had to put down or have been killed accidentally or whatever it is, um, jobs that they don't have anymore. So the endings of things, mm-hmm. including actual physical death. And so she's put this little these little bags together that have uh, a, an aroma combination in them and uh, and and some um, uh, stones um, uh, crystals that kind of and and you know put a little poem in with them and that so a ritual creating mm-hmm. a ritual to help them to grieve and to me grieving is about coming to terms with an ending and then last night I, I tuned in I thought that I should watch the first uh, presidential candidate debate and I watched I, I came in on it a few minutes late and I watched for about five minutes and I was ready to crawl out of my skin because it was so
1: dysfunctional oh god I managed to last a bit over half an hour, but I had to keep stopping it. Yep. I was watching the replay. Yeah, it and I was already
2: a- thinking what happens when President Trump won't observe the uh the rules the of decorum. Rules of decorum for a debate. Because they're very clear. And they shake hands at the beginning and they agree to abide by the rules of debate. And then he won't. He just won't do it. So what happens then when the person who is moderating or facilitating the, this whole process is at a lesser level of power than the people that he, in this case, it's a he, than he was um, right. facilitating, right? And, he, and, they, and And Trump just refused to listen to him. So when he interrupted and said, it's not your turn to speak, you, you've already had your time or now we're moving on to the next point and Trump would not listen to it would not um, comply with the rules and so that he what is, steamroller what is he over him yeah, yeah. And, he, and he had instead of steamrollering, he had the he had the ability to turn his mic off but he didn't he ch- he chose not to and the people in the control booth and it, they all chose not to mm-hmm. but I looked at this and I thought this is not actually about who's go- who's the best candidate for president because we've got a system right now w- worldwide we've got a system where what whatever the way you vote is not going to make a substantial difference to the outcome in terms of what happens in your country and it looks like there's a bigger there's a bigger divide now because Trump is so extreme, but his party is not necessarily that extreme. He's, he's a figurehead for this, but he's a very powerful example of the, the extremes that come about when we've decided that maybe we need to let go of something and we get scared about what will happen if we do. Yes. So, so maybe we haven't tried hard enough yet. Maybe there is something in this system that we've been committed to for so long that we announced that we were committed to that that still could be redeemed right so we so we go into this place this last ditch effort to try and save a system that actually for us individually is not working and I would argue that this isn't working for the United States either they've they have become. The, the very thing that the US was founded on rejecting which was the was the British imperialist system
0: mm-hmm.
2: so so now and they and some some Americans can see it and are hideously embarrassed by it and are clear that it needs to go but not enough of them are yet in order to let go of it right but I think that this it, this is happening inside each one of us on an individual level, as well, so it's the microcosm and the macrocosm. We're watching it play out in the macrocosm. Um, in Canada, we have a, a government right now who was elected on on campaign promises that they did not deliver on when they won, and and no amount of trying to hold them to account seems to be making any difference. They're just going ahead and doing the things that they promised they wouldn't do when they came to power. So so what what happens when that? that system, the system, not only is it not doing what it's supposed to do, but the checks and balances aren't working either. Yeah. So that's clear that to me, that's clear that that system is working. But then you look at, well, okay, if I let go, then what happens? And at the moment, we're not sure we know what happens. So can we come back to this? The evil you know is better than the evil you don't know, mm. <laughs> potential evil that you don't know, right? So, so what happens this, this, I think, governments are run by who has the most money and the most power to lobby,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the and the, the individual citizen who's casting the vote doesn't have within the systems as this at the moment to lobby.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's 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 money and power that lobbies, and it doesn't matter which they're going to lobby, no matter which candidate is in power. So that, to me, is a fundamental breakdown of the system. But what's interesting is how long do we hang out on that edge of trying to rescue the thing that isn't working anymore? And and you can see it in marriages, right? You know your marriage isn't working. How long do you try to resuscitate it before you declare that even, even if there were a way to resuscitate it, the other party's not
1: willing to engage? So you can say resuscitate if you're not willing to engage. Yeah. You could say it about marriages. You could say it about friendships. Yes. You do it with friendships. Yeah. You could say it about jobs. You know, i decided
2: I need to leave this job um, or even leave this profession. Now what do I do? Look how much I already have invested in it. Yes. And how do I know that the next thing I move on to isn't going to have exactly the same problems built into it?
1: So I had a thought while you were describing um, this internal reluctance that we have and not just on an individual level, but even on a cultural level or municipal level, we'll we'll find it. Cities differentiate in terms of their readiness for embracing new things or trying new things. Uh, Nations differentiate. Families differentiate. You know, it it can come down to individuals as well. And I was just, while you were talking about that, my brain was thinking about stuff like the fossil fuel industry, which has been in death throes for Mm -hmm. a long while. And yet we have built so much infrastructure in our society around it that it has been for most of us impossible to imagine how we could function without Mm -hmm. it because all our brains can do is give us, Uh, a car that doesn't run because there's nothing to put in it or the engines that make manufacturing stop running. It just all our brain gives us is lack is Mm -hmm. absence because it's unknown. We don't know enough. All we know is this thing that we have known that we've engaged with and we don't understand about what else is possible. And it occurred to me that a lot of our resistance to change, and the fear around it is that is the ignorance of, of of knowing what's possible and a familiarity with how it could work otherwise, which could then give some confidence because when we see other people trying new things and they're happy, like that's actually how we are sold things. This is a marketing technique. So it's not really that we're afraid of change. It's that we're afraid of the unknown and we're afraid that something good is going to be replaced with not as good or just not at, at all. So I'm wondering whether a big piece of recognizing when something needs to die and preparing ourselves for an evolution because it's not just that something is dying it's that something else is being born. Something else is growing more than one thing because if you think about plants they don't regenerate with just one replacing them same with humans we tend to recreate and propagate in greater numbers so if we were to imagine this in terms of ideas or inventions or procedures or systems what if there's more than one good healthy ready new possibilities that's ready to step in there and it's not just that it's they haven't been thought of yet I feel like I wanted to start telling myself to go hunting for the people who are fluent. In the things that are possibly coming about because if I hang out with them and listen to them maybe not physically hang out with them but if I you know listen to them listen to their talks read their books I'm going to see someone who is familiar with this new thing with the possibilities of it with the workings of it and the applications of it and I can gain confidence by listening to their to their confidence because they're fluent in it and this is what has been slowly happening with the fossil fuel thing, which is where I started out from. So all the renewable energy, solar has been around for a while, wind power has been around for donkey's ages, but in just small, it was like a small community thing. The idea of making it big enough to support uh, large communities or national, national infrastructure of electricity was, was different, not somewhere we were going, but, there were always people who were familiar with these things who've been using them, who've been applying them. And if we go and sit and listen to them, instead of just reading like a few bullet points or someone else talking about why it's difficult, like talk to the people who are actually working in it deeply. Well, and there's that you were,
2: you were talking a little bit ago about systemic issues and we have a system that is subsidizing some of the old ways of doing things. It's like the idea is we've got so much invested in it now, we need to support it. Yeah. We can't let it die. Because look at the mayhem that would be created. So, so we've propped up, we've propped up fossil fuel, we've propped up the the car industry in, in North America, we've propped up all kinds of things. And as long as we prop them up, i.e. subsidize them. We'll never see the true the true cost of them, so so there we we often float this idea that the replacement is too expensive. Yeah. But it's actually we can't see the true costs because because we've got so many subsidies built into the old way of doing it because of largely because of our fear of what would happen if we didn't do that. So um, so
1: it, there's an accounting that has to take place here and even well. the determination of how do you make those measurements i'm thinking about yeah. things and what are you the, measuring right what are you, what like, are you for instance you it's measuring cheaper to produce in plastic but is it cheaper when you build in all of the costs and the costs of the environment you put in money like some costs are not weighed in money but you can maybe find a way to translate it into money um even when it comes down to things like health care the knowledge that preventive health care reduces massive, massive amounts of costs later somehow is still not significant enough to motivate us to invest the money in the front end it's we're weird what is wrong we have a
2: massive well we 've got a massive investment in the infrastructure of the sickness um, Health and system. wellness, even though it's really about sickness and disease. It's about sickness and disease. It's about dealing with it. And so in pharmaceuticals are about that as well. We, we don't have a lot of preventive pharmaceuticals.
1: So, so then we're protecting the investment we've already made again. Do you remember when we had onto our show a number of years ago, uh, the father and son duo who work in a passive housing, Sean St. Mm-hmm. and Stephen St. Amour. Uh, I reconnected with uh, Sean recently and at the time they were they were forerunners basically like town criers going around trying to explain to the world that this methodology of building produced results that would save so much money over the long term and would produce housing that was built for long term and it was better for the environment and yet it was more costly upfront in the years that have intervened things have shifted so much around the capacity uh, of the production of the materials, that it is now actually equal in cost or very close to equal in cost to build using cross laminated timber or mass produced uh, mass timber um, to create passive certified level housing, which basically means that they're designed so that they can be heated uh, by human bodies and a candle. Like you don't have to have internal heating systems, yeah. You don't yeah. have internal cooling systems. And so there's no utility bills or not perhaps not none, but they are less. They're not at all what they look like for usual houses. You don't have a heating system. You don't have HVAC systems. You don't um, things like drier uh, dryer heat is repurposed within the house to keep the house moving and air flowing and heating, all kinds of interesting aspects. So now not only is it cheaper over the long run uh, and approximately the same cost to build, it becomes a ridiculous, when you look at it, but, but it, it, this pales in comparison to anything else that is the usual still mass produced builds, what people are still doing. And we're not choosing it because it's different because we just don't know enough and because of what well, you- we don't know enough about, And, and so if we don't it- know anything, then we're not, we're not
2: making a decision an informed decision. We're making yeah. an emotional decision. So we're, we're open to being influenced by the people who are still making a profit off the old system, um, which is very few people. Yeah, really,
1: no. This is the thing. we one of the things that we're really getting to the point of right now is realizing it's like humanity continues to go through these cycles where rich and poor vastly differentiate. We're at a ridiculous point now where it doesn't even compare; pales in comparison to how this showed up in previous. Well, and we, can handle decades, this, we can handle this
2: with bloodshed, or we can handle this peacefully yeah if handle it with bloodshed then we're going to end up with a situation like in Beirut where you know we 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 flatten the infrastructure and it's gone mm-hmm. um or we can we can sit down and see what we're heading into but i think the, and this is where i come back to where i'm coming from which is we're shifting paradigms mm-hmm. so so we want to move out of a paradigm where everything is binary everything is uh, up and down, good and bad, black and white, light and shadow. You know, and moving into a system where we see this as differences, as opposed to um, what's except one is acceptable and everything else is not.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and as soon as we get into that system, then we don't get divorced from our hearts because this is not about life and death anymore. Now, now we're we can be compassionate. And, and we can hear better because if we're not in fight or flight then then we can, we can listen better. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: So we're, so we're shifting, we're shifting paradigms. And when we shift paradigms, it's the, now, now it's the death of a paradigm. So, so now we have the, the clinging to, well, maybe we haven't tried hard enough with the thing that's familiar to us. Yeah. So how long do we, how long do we hang on to it? And, and I, I, this is what I'm seeing democracy. I don't think is what we see it as right now. Mm -hmm. This is, this is one, one or several ways of, of living a democracy, but it's not the only way. And, and so we think we see it as, as democracy or not, we're not seeing it as, well, what other possibilities do we have to engage everyone for the benefit of the greatest number of people to take care of everybody's um, well-being, as many people's well-being as possible, as opposed to this the idea of the survival of the fittest. And, you know, very few people sit at the top with the greatest number of toys and options and and defend themselves against all the rest of us. And that we can only go so far into this particular um, way of, of handling things before people have nothing to lose anymore. They're out on the streets. They're, I mean, we're, we're, at, we're a, a breath away from that all in many places around the world, not just in the US, but the US was always touted as the, the place that didn't have this problem, mm-hmm. but they do.
1: And so now it's coming out. It's really coming out where we can see it all. It, and to it's be honest, not so- we have to say the same about Canada because we, yeah. I think we've prided ourselves as being not like the yeah. U S over the last number of years, yeah. but it is, yeah. that is a foolish, naive. We have some of the same issues. It's really, we are many of the same issues. We really do. And we're going to be foolish if yeah. we don't address them where they are right yeah. now, instead of yeah. waiting for them to erupt as well. I feel like it's time for us to play one of our songs. And Great. I want to, Let's choose the one. Uh, We've got one called uh, End of the Movie by Cake. uh, Yeah, yeah. This, I feel, is is a fantastic satirical little snippet about how ridiculous we are as humans and what we will accept because of our reluctance to depart from our destined course, (laughs) the one that we're familiar with.
2: And that we have where we have
1: a a, a trajectory set up already. Yes. And momentum. Let's take a listen to this and we'll be back in a few minutes to keep talking about uh, what do we do when we become aware something needs to die.
3: People you love will turn their backs on you. You'll lose your hair, your teeth. Your knife will fall out of its sheath. But you still don't like to leave before the end of the movie People you hate will get their hooks into you They'll pull you down, you'll frown They'll tar you and drag you through town But you still don't like to leave before the end of the movie No, you still don't like to leave before the end of the show. you they'll pull you down you'll frown they'll tar you and drag you through town but you still don't like to leave before the end of the movie no you still don't like to leave before the end of the show
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. And um, we, we just listened to Cake singing end of the movie. And now we are um, back to talking about uh, what do we do with this? We the song is a great little illustration of the sort of we can put on this oblivious hat where we're experiencing we're experiencing things that it, you would think you would say no to just as a one off you encounter something you're like oh this is not okay if we would encounter the gas prices that we have right now 20 years ago we would run away in horror yeah right just well, whatever I'll right my acting yeah yeah and so, you know, so yeah. it's like the b- prod in a pot, a pot of water Boiled frogs. We're a bunch of boiled frogs and we just, it's really hard for us to, to remember to jump out. And then there, there's always this conspiracy frogs as well who are on the outside when you're not in the pot saying, you're on a hot rock or something like that. So it's like, it's hard. We've got, how do you really know when something, maybe we should talk about that next. What are the signs? What are the signs that we're getting near the end of something? You yeah. actually, I can start off with one. You referred to it a bit earlier, Luca, when you talk about subsidies. I think it might be important for us to start looking at, is this really sustainable? Whenever we start talking about needing subsidies for areas of industry, areas of service, et cetera, et cetera, what might be wrong with that model that we're needing to subsidize it so that it can keep doing what it's doing there are some things which we do need to maybe we can suss out what the difference is while we talk this through well it, it's built into this right because you
2: you feel like you need to subsidize the new way of doing things because the new way of th- doing things looks so much more expensive at least at the beginning than the thing that you're doing now but if you weren't already subsidizing the thing that you're doing now, the other thing wouldn't look comparatively so much more expensive, right? So, so part of what we're doing when we're looking at subsidies is looking at what are we subsidizing and why? And if we took the subsidy away, then what would the picture look like? And, and what does subsidizing something else look like so when we were we this this was going on in um in uh, uh, the whole free world when we were looking at the position of women and minorities and i say women and minorities because women weren't the minorities but we were being treated as though we were a minor minority right? right so so we had the this uh, we've got to get more women and more minorities into these positions, and so we will we will do some preferential hiring and preferential promoting. But we wouldn't have had to do those things if we had stopped the preferential treatment of all of the other people to begin with. Right. So it's like a rebalancing of something yeah, that had been it's,
1: off, off, lopsided. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. So when something gets out of balance. Then, then we have to go to extremes to get it back in balance again. And then, once it's back in balance, we can it it will it will sustain itself. So, so I, I come back to this idea of the suitcase that if you we've got a suitcase on wheels and you run it over a little piece of gravel, it gets a little wobble. And if you don't stop the wobble will gather momentum and it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until the suitcase actually flips over. And you have to stop because your suitcase is flipped over and the wheels aren't on the ground anymore. But if you stop when you get the first little bit of gravel, in other words, the first indicator that something isn't right, then you don't have to go to the extreme of having something flip over and you have to stop it all.
1: So when we think about systems, like these really large things... Uh, I think about when we 've had we 've had things said over the last decade or so, which is like banks are too big to fail, or something else is too big to fail in other words it 's just so gargantuan and it has its its influences and tentacles are so large and so far reaching that we can 't afford to let it fail and the question then is well why yes, because of a massive loss of jobs because of a massive loss of what Uh, our economy has looked like which based on the way that we're measuring economy in that moment um, not really asking the questions of but should it continue to operating as it is well and what's it costing us as it as it operates the way it does like, like that just sort of gets put on the wayside because a lot of times these things are massively flawed um, yeah and complex and and
2: deeply rooted into our world. but I, the, the the idea that comes to mind for me is the beta testing hmm. that that if you build that into your system all the time, so I I just I just changed the operating system on my on my computer and they there's a little box that pops up that says, are you willing to feed? the information about how you are interacting with your computer and how your computer is interacting with the world back to the company who made the computer so that we can continue to learn and make your experience better. Now, I'm only willing to do that if I believe that my experience can be made better and if I trust them to do what they say they're going to with the information that I release into their hands. Mm -hmm. But we do beta testing on. We do it. We do it on drugs. We do it on um, all kinds of different systems, improvements to systems, and and so this is how we, we either do it officially or we do it unofficially. Right? We have a. There's a little underground splinter group that says this system isn't working for us. We're going to try a different way. So we'll we'll create this little microcosm where we'll test out doing something in a different way. So. So I was very much a part of doing that I did it on my own but I opted out of the or, the world of organizations and business and and I opted to go out on my own. So I was self-employed basically starting in 1990 I was self-employed. That was a beta test. <laughs> Because the majority of the world was not doing that at that time. There were lots of small businesses in the world, but not necessarily businesses of one person. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I didn't have models of other people doing that because most of the people I knew went to work from nine to five, or they worked a shift in a factory, or they something where you know there was a there was basically a, an eight hour workday with a lunch break. Yeah. So, so if that's, so, so, and this comes back to the idea that I've talked about before, which is this, the deviant bees idea, right? If 30% of the beehive does not go where the other bees say they have to go in order to get the pollen, they go off on their own, their own route and they explore other possibilities and they're not always successful, but when they, but when they're, Enough of them are successful that they bring that back to the hive, and then the hive has a new source. But we're we're so risk averse that that we won't support that in in many sectors of our society. And the more um, the more entrenched they are, and the more we feel that they are intrinsic to the way the safety and security of the way we live. The, the less we're willing to experiment with them. But maybe the greater the need to experiment with them in, in order to make sure that that is still the best system for, for us. But there's always a little splinter groups who are going to be trying it a different way. So like you cannot make all of the, the bees in the beehive go to the same place. You can, it's like, how are you going to control where a bee flies?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if human beings are doing the same thing, um, you know, we're, we're, there are a certain number of us who are deviant and we're going to try, we're going to take the risk because for us, it feels like too great a risk to stay in the system that isn't working. Mm-hmm. So, so, So this is when you say, well, let's go out and find the people who are already doing it and listen to them and support them and read about what their experiences have been. That's all the beta projects, right? So, so if we, if we were to build beta projects into our global paradigm, I would say that we've been running a beta project for a multidimensional paradigm for a long time now, but we're not going to give it, we're not going to risk trying it until the existing system is so uncomfortable Mm. and in so much chaos and is so clearly not redeemable that that the risk of the new way of doing it doesn't look quite so bad anymore, which
1: is what you were just saying earlier. Okay. I have an idea about what I want to talk about next, but I think I want to do it after the next song. Okay. Yes. Here we go. Let's play. um, We're going to play. We have two more songs that we're going to play today. Both of them are called Last Leaf. One of them is by OK Go. The other one is by the Cascades. We're going to listen to the one by OK Go first. Uh, I'm choosing to play both of these songs because I feel like they're taking two different looks at the last leaf that's hanging on the tree. The first one, "Okay Go, is still in this place of loyalty, of dedication, of commitment, of tenacity, of of adoration, and just wanting very much for it all to come together. I'm going to be here. This is I don't care. I'm faithful. Yes, (laughs) I am holding in there. And I feel like this is, we get this approach a lot when it's coming to something that we know very well and it's time for it to go and we don't want it to go. And so we're going to keep breathing life into it somehow. We're going to keep this thing going. So let's take a look at this song. I'm I'm just going to give that as a description. So here we are with OK Goes, Last Leaf.
4: autumn leaves hanging from the tree I'll still be here waiting all last seed in the spring to venture out of need I'll still be here waiting on
1: Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to OK Goes' song, Last Leaf. And we've been talking about uh, when something needs to die. When is it time to let go? How do we know the signs of what needs to go when it's time for it to go? Uh, we're often we're talking about systemic things. And um, what do we need to do to move forward? And I feel like this is where we're starting get to. Well, this is a, a good, I have a great example of this in, in one of the
2: relationships that I was in. And um, the person I was in the relationship with wanted to bail on the relationship sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kept hanging on. And I, ha- I hung on longer than was, if, if I look back on it in hindsight, I could say longer than really was good for me. It was already not working for me, but I didn't want to acknowledge it. And um, eventually, he's the one who cut it off, um, and and it needed to be cut off. And I went into the death throes and and you know railing against it and 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 when I had to go into the grieving process, and it took me quite a long time to to grieve that. But I was grieving more than the relationship. I was grieving all the things that hadn't worked in my life and that I wanted to work in my life. Um, So, so we get, this is, we get into this place. there's, there's, if you're separating from something, there's you separating. And then there's the thing you're separating from. And how does it feel about you bailing, (laughs) bailing on this? And how do we communicate that? Like, how do we separate? Which is, um, that's, a, that's an interesting piece as well. And what happens once
1: we've started that process of separation, which I think leads us into our next song. Right. So before we go into our next song, something that I'd like to, to mention that I feel is perfectly representative of this space in the process that we're discussing. And that is something that we do every week, something that I believe every show and CGSF makes sure to hold time for. And that is uh, to take time to acknowledge uh, that we broadcast from, we live on, we work on the unceded ancestral territory of the First Nations people, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil who are the ancestral uh, people of this land. I bring that up now, and I bring it up now rather than in the next section, where I want to talk about what's next and how do we go forward, because until we we acknowledge what is, until we acknowledge what is broken, until we acknowledge where there has been failures and we're ready to say okay you know what that's dead colonialism's dead it needs to be dead it has caused a lot of death we can say as well in this nation uh, for first nation peoples and it needs to go away the structure of it is still here and as such this is why Luca and i as settlers are still here we're still living here, we're still working here, and we don't we're we st- we're ready to start exploring what does reconciliation look like. But you can't reconcile if you can't stay the words to start with. That this land is unseated and we're on it. Where do we go from here? Um let's take a listen to the next song, our last song for the day. So this is also called Last Leaf. This is by the Cascades. And this one is the dude is pretty much ready to let go. He's recognized that this leaf, the last leaf hanging on the tree, is his last hope. And he's already, you know, pretty much divested himself of the belief that this is going to come, this is going to resolve itself in a way that he wants. So on the other side of this is where we get to talk about what next. So there's the grieving, right? where the tenacity and the loyalty has has changed its tune to a place of no matter how much I try to breathe into this, it's not going to resurrect. It's not serving me or those around me well. It's time to let it go. Then we grieve. Because it's not just a letting go. It takes time. So the grieving, the actual releasing process is something to honor, is something to take time with, to really assess to be present with what it what the complications and the implications are for us and heal and heal Mm -hmm. yes so let's take a listen to this the last leaf by the Cascades Essential conversations with Luca and Rebecca. We just listened to the Cascades, "The Last Leaf." Really, in contrast to OK Go's "Last Leaf," and that was meant to be honoring the the sadness and the grief and the there is a tear. There is a wound that is created when we let go of something that we've known very well. that has been very familiar, a very big part of our life, whatever that be, whether it be a relationship or a system or a job or who knows access to a resource that we loved. Um, but what do we do next? And I'm starting to, I, I, my brain was, I tend to live in the zone that we're going to go in now, which is okay. So what's happening now? <laughs> That's just where I live. It's, it's not, I don't know that it's always great. Sometimes I need to be where where things are right now rather than where things are going to be next year or 10 years from now. But Luca, I've already got thoughts coming into my mind about where I'm seeing what's next popping up. Brown fossil fuels, it's pretty obvious. There's a lot of things that are now gaining a lot of steam and momentum. So that's not really where I want to talk about. One thing I have noticed that um, I think would be good to talk about here is the notion of basic income. And the idea that uh, this is in contrast to welfare, in contrast to um, social services. So this, uh, this idea is that everybody gets access to a livable income, And there's people who are experimenting this, communities are experimenting with this, certain programs are are experimenting with this, certain nations around the world are experimenting with this. So far, everything that I have heard about it is it is wildly successful in terms of reducing mental health issues, reducing the systemic Poverty cycles that people get into where there isn't enough money they get charged extra fees they it's just this it's a it's like the downward spiral the I've been (laughs) in that it's very difficult to get out of that and that it is not being shown to be something which just encourages laziness that there is an internal desire for humans to have meaningful work and connection and that we choose to engage in that. And actually it might be easier for us to, to define that and find it and engage in it on terms that work for us on a sustainable level when we are supported and it's not about survival. That's my uh, little rant towards uh, basic income. Where are you seeing things coming up that are, perhaps where we will find the hope of the future. Well, I
2: was, uh, um, I've, I've had um, within my sphere, uh, m- more and more people lately who are um, different, differently gendered than what we've always thought was male and female. And it, and it doesn't even have to do with which body you arrived on the planet in but but what your preferences are in terms of how you connect intimately with other human beings and and it you, this used to be something that was going on but nobody talked about it so i saw um somebody posted on on social media today photographs it was 50 some odd photographs of of men who were in gay relationships, but from the from the, as early as we had photography. Yeah. And and I thought, well, this is this is great because it it's it's always been there, right? Right. And, and and yet we figured that we wouldn't know about
1: it if we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Just to clarify, there's the the gender identity is, is different than sexuality. But, it is yes. but but the presence of both has been there down through yeah. the ages. absolutely yeah.
2: And I was just looking at that one in particular as an yeah. example that I've just seen about recording the fact that um, other ways of being in the world have have always been there, whether the mainstream will acknowledge it or not. and and when we're ready to acknowledge it, then we go back and we can dig out all of these representations of the fact that it's always been there. But we act like it wasn't there. Yeah. If we didn't, if we went la 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 and stuck our fingers in our ears, then, then we didn't have to acknowledge that it was there. And I think that the, the, um, the gender differences is, is a, is an example of something that it, it's time is coming
0: Yeah.
2: Um, to be, to to come out into the mainstream and for us to know what to do with it yeah.
0: um,
2: and, and to accept it and to, to, to normalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, I, and I, I'm seeing more and more people talking about their children um, dealing with this. So we're not now dealing with just with adults coming out. We're dealing with people uh, when they're very young knowing this about themselves already and, and then having a forum within which to address it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, so there's things coming. It's there. It's the, it's, it, it's been nascent. Now it's coming. we we get we get to see it, which is, which is really encouraging to me.
1: And you're not, it wasn't just nascent. It was suppressed. It was suppressed. Yes. But it was there. It, it, was it was there suppressed, yeah. and I think right? that 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 makes me actually think of um, and when I say suppressed, I mean by society, not necessarily yes. by the individuals who are gender. Oh non-conforming, yes, that's what I mean too, or yeah. non-conforming. Um, yes. And the suppression might actually be a really important thing to look at in terms of looking at where is the hope, what what has been being suppressed because it's so counter it's it's so revolutionary yes So remember there was a documentary that came out who killed the electric car because we could have been farther down the road absolutely decades, but it got pressed yes. by yes. the industry that was making yes. so much money and was not interested in the impact of fossil fuels etc cetera, etc cetera. you know and so maybe yes. this is a this is a key maybe this is how we find the things that yes. are growing Let's look at where the where things are missing where are the gaps what don't what, we hear about? What are, the, what are the things that we don't want to talk about? It? What's taboo? What's no. uncomfortable? What is shake? It's, it shakes things up too much that we can. I, I feel like we've got some new zone to explore. This is awesome. And dying is one of those,
2: right? Death and dying is one of them. This we is, are not comfortable with it. Yeah. So, and that's
1: our whole topic today. So we come yeah. back around yeah. to the ah. beginning. So nice perfect and perfect and in around. So we've just got about a minute left of our broadcast today. And I would just like to say that we're um, starting to get closer to our um, fun drive time of year at CJSF. So Luca and I are actually spending time doing uh, either replaying shows or taking time to do new interviews with people who work out of CJSF to bring more f- familiarity with the other players on our team and their backgrounds and their love of community radio and what goes on here so please do be tuning in uh to get that that um perspective we find that the people that we work with at cjsf they're the most beautiful souls in the world we've ever met they're most interesting giving fascinating people full of quirks which is where we like to hang out so (laughs) full full of passion for this this vehicle that we use every week yeah absolutely Uh, It's been a weird year. We're still recording this from out of our homes using Zoom. I know the quality isn't as good. I know we miss being in the studio. But uh, we're glad that you're still joining us, even through these unusual times and unusual methods. And until next week.
2: I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer.
1: And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your
2: awareness, expand your options,
1: empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh, ah, 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 ah,
0: ah, 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 ah,